so much for tuning in and welcome everyone i hope you're well i'm your host ben lively and you're listening to shaken awake episode number 61 just wanted to thank you for tuning in with us today wherever you are and whatever you're doing right this very moment it means everything to me to share the messages that god has laid on my heart to share with you and as always i promise you another great show but more than anything my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the lord not just another podcast episode and if you find value or have found value in these episodes would you take 20 30 seconds after the show to just quickly uh, submit a review or a star rating in your device. This is what uh, the potential listeners look for when they decide whether or not to give the show a listen. And it's just confirmation from other listeners like you that it could bring value for them. Would you do that for me if and only if you find value in these episodes? And for those of you that already have, I sincerely cannot thank you enough uh, already. And also spread the word. Pass on a link to your friends or family or colleagues uh, that the Lord prompts you to send to. There are many people that need to hear these messages and the scripture, and God will see to it that it gets to them. Uh, then he'll, he'll do the rest. So without further delay, let's get ready to invite God in with us right here, right now, and allow him to speak directly to your heart and mind. So today's topic is on heaven or hell. The gold coins and the prodigal son explain how to earn or avoid either one. So we're going to start with the parable of the lost son. It's Luke 15, 11 to 32. Um, I'm going to use the New Living um, um, test, uh, Translation, NLT. You can use whatever translation um, you're comfortable with. Uh, they all the one the, the the major ones all come out to be the same um i read them all so uh i just uh, prefer this one for the parables anyway which uh, we're on a series of so let's get started here again luke 15 11 to 32 uh, jesus told his disciples this story a man had two sons the younger son told his father i want my share of your estate now before you die so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons and a few days later this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a different land a distant land rather and there he wasted all his money in wild living about the time his money ran out a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields, into his fields, to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger." I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was uh, still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, 
I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe into the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of his servants well, what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we're celebrating because of his uh, safe return. And the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. And his father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father looked at him and said, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. So what's a prodigal? Uh, you know, a prodigal is a person who just um, wastes money recklessly and, and selfishly. Um, I'll raise my hand, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and then comes to regret their foolish behavior. So the, today the term prodigal has um, it's come to represent the repentant return of a person, no, no matter the reasons that they left in the first place. So the prodigal son is also called the lost son in, in, in many versions of the Bible because of the son's uh, wayward ways. So, so what's the main message of the, of the prodigal son? The main message of, of the prodigal son is that it doesn't matter how far we stray from our heavenly father or how much we waste the gifts that he provides. He's always delighted when we turn back to him. His unconditional love is waiting for us to return home where he greets us with open arms. Every lost child, a sinner, meaning all of us, right, who is found, or really what that means is turns to God, is cause for the greatest of celebrations. You know, do you relate to the prodigal son or the, or the good son? You know, one, one interesting aspect of the, this uh, this parable is that we either seem to relate to the good child or the prodigal child. And our, our perspective can change over time. So it's helpful to understand understand the, the parable from both perspectives. So which, which son we relate to may change depending on where we are in our Christian journey. At times, we, we can be seeking God in earnest and, and relate to the older son. Other times we may have left the priorities of the world and let them come between us and God, and we may relate more to the prodigal son. But in any case, the parable speaks to all of us, no matter our perspective. So if you relate to the prodigal son, look inside, find God dwelling there. Just see the beauty that he knows is inside, even if it's hidden. See the worth that he sees in you. Ask him for forgiveness and welcome him into your heart. He forgives you. There's people out there today that need to hear this. I know some of them by name. I once was the prodigal child for 41 years. 
How about the good child? If you truly are the good child, look no further than within your own heart. Are you happy with how the father is treating you on a daily basis by providing food and shelter, a job, and uh, perhaps a family? His unconditional love, how about his comfort and grace? I believe the answer would be yes for most people. God has given you all you need and more. You are blessed. Be grateful for those gifts. You know, holding a grudge against the prodigal son accomplishes nothing more than putting a barrier between you and God. And besides, one day it will be you needing forgiveness. And you'll be thankful when he welcomes you back with open arms. Just know that he's waiting for you with open arms. And if again, if you're the prodigal son, which we all are at some point due to our sin, be grateful for the unconditional love and the forgiveness that will greet you when you come back home. Just make that concentrated or concerted effort to curb further disobedience or disrespect. It's called repentance. And, and for those of you that are, that are the good child, no matter how close you currently are to God, rest assured, he loves you with agape love. And that's greater than we can even comprehend. When you fall, he'll be there to catch you. When you stray, and you probably will, he welcomes you back. His love for you is independent of any other relationship he has. You, my friends, are all his. It's only about you and God. So whether you relate to the prodigal child or the good child, the parable of the prodigal son is really about living your life between you and God and not worrying about keeping score with anyone else. Just be thankful he's there for you when you follow him and will always be there to welcome you back if you fail him. Wherever you are in your Christian journey, the lesson is the same. It's all about our personal relationship with God and recognizing that no matter what our thoughts or actions, he still loves us and welcomes us with open arms when we turn to him. I love this saying. It is written by Kent M. Keith, uh, but it's normally attributed to, to Mother Teresa. Uh, it says, in the end, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Man, it makes my hair stand up on my arms. So I'm going to go with one more parable today, and they're interrelated. See if you can see the um, the relation between the two. I, I could not pick between the two, and they're so synonymous with one another that I know that a handful or two, I couldn't do one without the other. That's about the easiest way I can say it. Let's go to Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Again, I'm using the NLT version, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. It's the parable of the three servants. I don't care if you've read this before. Uh, let me let me put the, the, the conviction that I was put under into this, and let's read this again. So, you know, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver 
began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. So after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account on uh, how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Man, where have we heard that one before? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant, give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even with what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For centuries, this parable of the talents has been interpreted in, in, in varying ways, right? Most of the time, the perspective changes depending on who's doing the interpretation. But to get to the bottom of this, this, this parable, we need to really uh, decode its, its, its details. There's a lot of details. What's a talent? In Jesus' time, a talent is used as a unit of weight. It's about 80 pounds, Right, so so when currency is used, one talent is about six thousand denarii, and that was a standard Roman coin. So six thousand. It's the it's the one talent is equivalent to sixteen years worth of labor in those days. One talent was worth sixteen years worth of labor. So with this, we can understand why the master was outraged when the servant didn't make use of something he can probably only have once in his life. So throughout the parable, Jesus gives us details that give us a clue on what he wants us to take away from it. So here are some of the interpretations of uh, several of the parables, uh, the notable details here. If it's not obvious by now, the master represents Jesus. He talks about him going on a journey, which is clearly in this allusion to his impending return to his father's side. So his return obviously refers to his second coming. The master asking his servants about what became of the talents is Jesus telling us that when he comes again, we will all have to give an account for what we did with what he's given us. 
And in Jesus's time, it wasn't uncommon for masters to entrust their servants with these large sums of money. But as as we've learned through the parable, one, you know, one ter- uh, talent, sixteen years worth of pay that that amounts to more than a million dollars in today's money. Okay, so with this, we can see how much trust the master has for his servants to give them such a huge sum of money. So on the part of the servants, they could have run away with the money or do what the third servant did to save them the hassle of investing the money, but they didn't. They remained faithful to their master even when he was away and made good use of what he was given. Right? So God gifted and entrusted us with blessings. The things we have in life, you and me, they're blessings from God and he has entrusted us with them. He has not given us all the same things. We each have different, just different financial statuses, health, intellect, right? Skills, talents, etc. No matter how much or how little they are, they're all gifts from God. And he expects us to use our gifts wisely. What will we do? What will you do? What will I do with the blessings we've been given? God gives us free will to choose. He loves us so much that he allows us to freely decide our path in life. We've talked about this before. He desires that we grow our gifts for his glory, but it's up to each of us to decide. Will we help the needy? Will we clothe the naked? How about feed the hungry? Show mercy? Grant forgiveness? Love one another? Or will we waste our money and blessings? Will we hide or misuse our talents? Will we use our skills for evil instead of good? I'm raising my hand. That was me for 41 years. Every bit of it. Used for evil. How about worship money and financial status above God? He doesn't judge us all by the same standard. The talents, these these gold, the coins, they were, give, according to the Bible, given according to each person's ability. We're all created with different skills and abilities and are never entrusted with more than what God knows we can handle. He ensures we have the money, the resources, the, the knowledge, right? The skills and ability to accomplish his will for our life, no matter how great or how small the goal is. He assesses our performance, not based on our accomplishments compared to other people, but upon how we'll, how how well we've lived for his good and glory, according to our abilities and resources. Remember, too much is given, much will be required. We'll be held accountable. Judgment Day will eventually arrive, guys. We don't like to think about our divine father as a judge, but I, I like to compare God's love to, to a perfect human father, even though right, such a man does not exist. We can imagine that a father who loves his children and, and wants the best for them has expectations of them. He sets rules and boundaries to keep them safe and on the right path. And when they go astray, he corrects them. So it is with God's judgment. He looks kindly on those who use his gifts and blessings well. And he's disappointed in those who turn away from him and choose to bury their gifts or misuse them. And indeed, he says they will be judged harshly. And by harshly, take a hard look, as I have many times at verse 30. 
When the master says, now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that tell you will happen? We're called to grow in the Lord. The Lord gives according to our abilities, but as we prove ourselves trustworthy by choosing God's will, growing in faith and sharing his glory, he entrusts us with more. How many people know what I'm talking about? This is similar to how a child earns the parent's trust, right? By doing the right things in in small matters until he proves him or herself worthy of more freedoms and perks uh, and blessings, etc. So as we seek Jesus with all our heart and work for his good, we deepen our relationship. We, We prove our growing abilities and eventually become entrusted with more blessings to be used for God's glory. It's this expanding uh, cycle of, of God's amazing will that is ours if we are willing to work for it. And this parable, you know, it may have been written thousands of years ago, but that doesn't mean it's not relevant anymore. Yes, the concept of master and servant maybe have, you know, it's outdated as well, as are most of the details in the story, but the lessons remain true no matter how many centuries have passed. Success is not possible without taking risks. All you business people out there, I'm sure you heard that more than once. The third servant is a basic example of what would happen when we're too afraid to take risks. We can't attain success without taking risks along the way. So in everything that we do, we must seek to glorify God. The faithfulness of the two servants, despite their master's absence, is a testament to their commitment to glorify their master. Even if he isn't physically present, they used his given talents to do what he would have wanted them to do. The same goes for us, guys. In everything we do, we must seek to glorify God. We must use what he has given us according to his purpose. Each of us have God-given talents. Just as how each servant received a a different amount of that talent or gold coin, right? We too are given diverse skills and abilities. You may not have been born a singer or a dancer. I sure wasn't. But surely there is something that you are good at. After all, we can't all be singers and dancers. Being good at reading other people's emotions is a talent. Even having nice, neat handwriting is a talent. It's up to us how to make use of that God-given talent to suit his purpose. And God, God's reward depends on our effort. In the parable, the master rewarded the two servants, but punished the last one. He punished the last one. The same is true for us too. We get rewarded for the good things we do and we get punished for every bad action. That's why when we do good to other people and use God's given talent to make life better for others, we receive more blessings. So before we wrap up, I want to encourage you all to uh, reflect on both of these parables. You know, read them and reflect on them. Use the Bible as a mirror. You know, what can you learn from these two parables in particular that will become a, uh, a stepping stone for your life and for living a life worth living for him. 
He leaves these in your hands to take seriously and obey. After all, one day, he only says, well done, my good and faithful servant, to those who actually were. So before we end today's show, I I just want to thank you all again for tuning in. I hope you were touched by today's message and scripture. And if you'd like to reach out to me, please call me directly at 407-493-3208. You can also email me at ben at shaken-awake.com or check out the show at shaken-awake.com. And until next time, take great care of yourself and each other, and God bless you all. 